The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. I'm trying to finish a text before we begin because oh, I, cool. uh, customer sent me money and I can't access it. The, the password that he told me doesn't seem to work. So now I have to re-ask for it. Is it like a case sensitive password or something? I don't know. I don't, and it only gives you three tries to, to test it. Right. So, right. Anyway, so that's done. What a, Unexciting start to our 50th episode. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> <Be> loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joey has a hangover today. Yeah. So the, I'm going to randomly yell at him. Christmas party last night. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, at the dude. Mercury Room. At the Mercury Room? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Was, was it was fun? fun. Um, did you get to play in one of the bands? Or Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We rehearsed on Saturday night for the first and only time. <laughs> I course. learned five songs, only played them once on Saturday. That works. And then, yeah, last night we were the first band to play. Oh, yeah, I mean, the worst band too. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but pretty much get on stage and that's when I'm told the song order. And because I didn't know any of the songs by the title with the exception of one song, which was... Uh, Keep on rocking in the free world. Oh yeah, yeah. And which is a song I did last year. <laughs> so it's just, I almost kind of want to do that song again next year, just so you can keep it part yeah, of your tradition. Yeah, keep it going, and then, you know. And you're playing the bass in these, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the other two <laughs> songs, the, I'm being told the names. I'm like, okay, what's the chord pattern of that one? <laughs> How does that one go? Oh, that's the one that goes D. Then A, okay, I got it. <laughs> I'm up to speed now. <laughs> I know the chords. I know what notes I'm playing. Oh, this one goes E, B, E, A, B. Got it. I don't know when to play it, but I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Huh. Keep on uh, rocking the free world was pretty fun, though, because uh, Dave, our accounts guy, and what was supposed to be our drummer for our, our band came in so we became went from being a three-piece to a five-piece oh cool yeah for the last song that we played yeah what's which it, was fun what, what was what's dave's band's name again i can never remember uh his actual band yeah well, he's got a couple but his big one's oh. the fuzz kings fuzz kings right 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 i can never remember that and i don't know why they're fairly known yeah. alberta gang uh, i know right band uh gang I'm sure he'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing Dave. <laughs> yeah. So, how late were you out last night? Not very late. No? Uh, we left 
Mercurium at around 10 because that's when about everybody has played. And we didn't do a, a jam this year. Oh, okay. Last year, it kind of broke out into like a, uh, a bunch of like the more skilled players just jamming out songs. Right. Uh, but this year, it didn't happen. Um, so what time did you guys start? If it, if it ended um, at 10, what time did you guys start? I think bands started at around eight. How many bands played? I would, I would have expected six. six bands in two hours. Well, we had like 20 minute sets. Still, man, like the number of bands working out of Long and McQuaid, like there, well, there are so many bands in this city that are actually funded by Long and McQuaid through just sheer employment i would expect more uh, <laughs> a lot of people didn't volunteer to to play at mm. the christmas party okay cool. and of those that volunteered only six bands were made and some of those bands only had like maybe two songs or one song i think my band was the only one that had five songs ready oh, okay what you guys call yourselves uh, the stylist, I guess, is what Desiree called us. <laughs> and then the joke was it wasn't Tracy from White Ave or her. Um, so it must have been me. <laughs> of which I, I just pretty much said, oh yeah, I'm full of style. It's the haircut. <laughs> you do kind of have the lesbian thing going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I need to get a haircut. Yeah. I'm getting a haircut today because we always talk about hair for some reason. I'm going to the barbershop around the corner, actually called Lou's Barbershop. I'm very excited. <laughs> That's gonna, the one you've been wanting to try out, right? Is it? I don't know. I don't think so. You said something about wanting to try out a barbershop nearby. Hmm. Eh, whatever. Yeah, we remember. digress. Yes. So we had a, we had a, being that it's our 50th episode, I'm, um, and that we've had over the past, let's say a couple months, we've had the occasional comment come in that we don't talk enough actual recording talk. Okay. And the most recent one came in from Chris, uh, co-host of the gravy age. Um, Chris with a K. I don't know if he cares about that kind of thing, but and I don't know why I just pointed at the screen because it's not like he's on the screen. You digress. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, he actually asked us uh, if we would talk about more um, recording stuff. And we so, should probably do that. Uh, yeah, right? Anyway, so that, that's why I, I threw that idea at you um, last week. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking that we'll try to moving forward, we'll try to make more of an effort to actually have topics to discuss. Excuse me. Ideally something that, something that, um, you and I can disagree on because that makes for better radio. The very often that we disagree about things. Not all that often. But we do have, I mean, we do have different ways of doing things like, like your multi-band bass guitar trick. Um, That's awesome. I don't know why you don't do that. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I do the exact same thing. I just use a, a, a single plug-in for that. Yeah, well, it's, 
even easier with me because I have a template <laughs> where I just throw in the track and then it's already done for me. See, and I'm, let's talk about templates. All right. Let's talk about templates because I know you love your template because it works so ridiculously well for you, right? Well, because I don't want to do the extra work to make things work. That's an awesome sentence. <laughs> See, and for me, for me, every mix that I do, I've tried doing the template thing mm -hmm. and it just doesn't work for me because every mix that I do ends up being drastically different enough. And the few things that I might do routinely, I'm, you know, I'm maybe five minutes total in the setup of it. My template doesn't do anything mix wise. It just separates tracks in the way that I like doing things. Right. It, like, like, like the bass track. Yeah. Like the bass thing where you split it up into, into yeah. three tracks and then um, high pass like, one, low pass, another band pass at the, the middle. Yeah. And then it also routes everything to a bus as well. Cause I like using buses. So like right. my drum tracks are all, all pre sent to a bus. So I don't have to do that work. And, and for me that takes all of like, like 10 seconds to set up that bus. Yeah. Um, and, and so like I just 10 seconds, like throughout your life, it actually takes me longer to fit things into my template than it does for me to individually build the parts that I need as I go. And that's why I don't do templates. Mm. I, my standard thing that I would make into a template is I'd have a drum bus. I'd have, um, a separate, uh, non-drum instrument bus. Then I would have a band bus. And I just kind of funnel things down to that, right? Pretty standard, pretty straightforward. It takes me all of 15, 20 seconds to set that up. And I'm doing it in, you know, I get, I get my drums sounding great. I bust them and then I move on to the next thing. And I, let's say, let's say it's a standard rock song. Mm -hmm. I get my guitar sounding good on top of the drums. Then I bust them. Cause I'm, I'm just adding that bus in, in line I was doing it on a console, it'd be different, but, um, <clears throat> and then I bus the guitar and the drum track down to a band track. That is that that's the whole band, yeah. right? That's and, all pretty easy routing stuff. Right. Whereas, it's all, like some of the things I like doing is pretty complex routing. What do you do? That's complex. Well, like though? the multi-band thing, like to set that up every single time I load a, a bass track, it doesn't make sense okay. for me to do that. Cause that's a couple minutes do because i have to i have to have that the initial right. track that i send the bass to and then i'm sending that the three additional well yeah auxiliaries yeah and then i have to set up the eqs and make sure that they're uh cross filtering at, at the right frequencies it just makes sense to have that built in already right. and just drop the track in and then then it's good to go it's done good to go i could just add my effects where I need them right. from then on. So what other, what other weird um, routing things are you doing? And, and I shouldn't, weird is not the right term, but what other unique uh, or complicated routing things are you doing? Mm. I have a lot of my auxiliary, like my effects channels all pre-set up as well with like my EQs before and after an effect. And then okay. usually like the three effects that I most likely will use, but bypassed. Yeah. 
and then I just turn on whichever one I, I'm looking for. Right. Play with that. But that's not a difficult thing to set up. It just, I find, saves me time. I could just right. be like, send to that bus or that auxiliary. And then I just have to unbypass an effect and then yeah. I'm good to go. So it saves me a little time there instead of loading up a few presets. Loading up a preset. Let's try this one. Oh, no, let's try that one. Oh, no, let's try that one. Oh, okay, well, that one might work, but let's add this EQ in front of it. Let's add this EQ after it. Yeah, so, so I'd like, I already have like the EQ before and after, and then the effects that I most likely would use on that channel mm -hmm. already kind of on there. And then it's just a matter of like, oh, I'm feeling like uh, sound boy today for a delay. Right. Turn it on. Play with it. Oh, I'm not feeling like it. Bypass it. Turn on my... I don't even know if I have another delay. Uh -huh. Well, I do, but it's hardware. Oh yeah, yeah, my pedal. Oh yeah, yeah. Which um, which pe which pedal is that again? That's the uh, that's the, the Pictronics Evolution. Yeah, which is does that do balanced signals? Does it do stereo? It does stereo. That's awesome. I'm not sure if it does balanced though. If it does stereo, it it probably does balanced. Probably. I've never really yeah. cared enough to That's fair. look into it because I just like the effect that it has, especially yeah. if you start playing with like the weird timing stuff, mm -hmm. like make a, a seven over four. <laughs> <coughs> or use the golden rule, which I, I still don't understand, but. What's the golden rule? Uh, I don't know. There's, there's some kind of ratio that they call the golden rule in this pedal. And you flick a switch. Oh, okay. And it's it, a setting on the pedal. Yeah. 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 And what does it do? Uh, You're not sure. I know, but I'm try not to sure. I know it. either. I just mm. that is a feature built into this pedal. Is the golden rule? And you flick it on. It does some time things. Mm. Cool. Pretty much just makes it so that the note divisions are of a certain ratio. Yeah. I am. Um, I watched a Bobby Osinski video on delay. Um, and he was talking about his, his rules about delays. Um, and how, what he's, when he's doing, um, whenever he's doing delays, he tries to stay away from the predictable, um, like on beat delay. Really? Yeah, it's, it's, um, he went back and forth between a whole bunch of examples and he was showing uh, one delay was just a standard chord note delay. And, and, and he turned it on and off and he says, it just kind of blends in with the track. It's kind of, kind That's of boring. Kind of why I do it is to kind of blend it in sometimes. Right, right. And, 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 and there's, certain, there's certainly a place for that. Yeah. But to him, that's just really boring. Okay. And so then he did, he did, well, let's change that to an eighth note track or an eighth note delay. Okay. Still kind of boring. Change it to a 16th note, 16th note. And that's getting more towards a slap, but it blends into the track too much. And if you're going for a slap, you know, you, you want that a little more obvious. Excuse me. I don't know. Sometimes with like a slap delay, I'll actually time it to be in time, but it'd be a note division that's so small that 
you, you probably won't even recognize it as a note division. See, whenever I'm going for a slap, whenever I'm going for a slap, I'm, I'm trying to go for a tape slap, right? Because that's probably what the client is referencing. Probably. Right? Like, you know, some, some old Johnny Cash or 1950s, 1960s slap effect that they're, that they're into, you know? Like, yeah. El, like Elvis always had a, a, what was it? A 15 IPS, um, slap on him, which I don't even remember what, what the millisecond timing on that is, but, um, okay. So back to the Osinski thing, his recommendation was, his recommendation was always to do a stereo delay. Um, but even if you're not go to a, go instead to a, like a dotted eighth note or a dotted quarter note or a triplet delay. I use those a lot. Bury them a little further into the, into the mix. And they'll be more interesting, add more depth and dimension and still give you that, that spacious delay sound. That's still technically in time though. Just a right, but it was, but that, that's blank. that's what he was going for. Is 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 he used the he used the comparison of of a Latin percussion section, individual instruments in a Latin percussion session. This is an arranging thing, right? But right. individual in instruments might be playing cool offbeat counter counter rhythm yeah, things. He's all he's doing is creating syncopation with delay. Exactly, and 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 he said for that specific effect. That's far more interesting than, than just a steady eighth note or a steady quarter note. But layered in with everything else, it works really well, and it blends together really well. But it brings more life to the vocal, or it brings more life to the lead guitar, yeah, or whatever it is, that. right? And so that was that was his thing. I'm, I'm I got to be honest. I've never I've never really spent a lot of time considering delays it's kind of why i like my my pedal because it yeah. can do things like that but at the same time it could be in time so it could give you quarter notes but then it'll give you seven notes over those quarter notes oh see that's awesome so it, it's making i think it's called a polymeter or is it called a polyrhythm i can't ever remember polyrhythm i think because it's two different rhythms right like it's a it's a quarter note delay and a second delay that's a, that's a seven note delay. Yeah. yeah. Within that same bar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can never that's remember awesome. <laughs> uh, the difference between the two. I, I know like uh, one of them, it's like you have, what is it? You could have a four beat bar, but then you have a seven beat bar and you just keep repeating until they both hit one again. Right. And then there's the one that we just talked about where it's like mm -hmm. you have one bar and then the notes are just squeezed into that bar. <laughs> nice. Nice. I've actually been, I've, because I have a, um, I think it's called a moratorium against spending money on rack gear. I've, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Mostly because the bank account doesn't have any money. <laughs> well, I've been, you have enough stuff now, don't you? I know I gotta sell stuff. I gotta sell stuff. I decided on what I'm going to sell. Good. Finally. Yeah. For the time being. For the time being. Yeah. And I'm and the moment I sell it, the moment I sell it, I'm going to die a little inside. Yeah. Because then you're going to be like, oh, I need that. 
Well, that's the thing is, is I've looked at it. I've been talking about this for a month, right? Yep. I've looked at this every which way I can and, and I don't actually need it. But There's, once it's gone, once it's gone, I'm going to cry. But yesterday, yesterday we got rid of the piano that's been in my family for 70 years. The one that was out front. Yeah. I saw that. That was gone. Yeah. We donated it to a, donated it to a former Juno winner that, um, is down on her luck, uh, financially and all that and didn't have any, any real instruments for kids to play. So we donated it to her. But it doesn't stay in tune. It stays in tune good enough for a family to play. It just doesn't stay in tune good enough for a studio studio to record. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's not like it's not like we can tune all the all the guitars down a eighth of a step um, just to match up with the piano. That's a humongous oh. pain in the ass. Yeah, that is a huge pain <laughs> in the ass. Right. But then yeah. there's like bands like Corey's band where it's like let's play in four thirty four thirty two two is four, that I don't know four thirty two is the the pre nineteen twenties concert pitch something like that. Yeah, I don't remember the, the exact that year. a lot of pseudoscientists are saying, oh, it's the fundamental frequency of the universe with like no actual evidence to prove it. So they're religious. In a sense. It, uh, I just say they're stupid <laughs> and don't understand what they're talking about. Yeah. I had, uh, had a band in here a couple years ago now, actually, that uh, they, they tuned to that. And they'd calibrated all their tuners to tune to that. Um, and I find that to be annoying because you have like a, a digital piano or something that's not as easily calibrated. Tunable. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. That is already like from the moment you turn it on 440. Yeah. So then you have to go into like a bunch of menus because who often needs to change their tuning that they're going to make that an easy setting for mm-hmm. you to have. Well, and then, and then too, the, the singer demanded that his vocals be pitch corrected in four, four or four thirty two. And uh, of the three pitch correction softwares that I have, only the most cumbersome one allows you to change it. Oh yeah. And so, God, it was that was a that was a pain in the ass. And so it it even took me it even took me an hour and a half to two hours to figure out how to change that. It was really easy to. Uh, it was the Antares Auto Tune. Um, I think it was Auto Tune Five at the time. Oh, yeah. uh, and in the um, in in five, it was really easy to change change that fundamental A down to four thirty two. Because mm-hmm. they have a little dial on the top. You type it in, you can twist the dial, whatever. But in the graphical editor, where I needed to go in and actually actually correct notes manually, not nearly as easy. Don't you have to draw the notes in Antares? That's the that's the big graphical thing. I I I did a I did a customer feedback survey for them just recently and and, and that's the thing is you have to you can import the auto tune correction, mm-hmm. like like, a, like the whatever auto function it would it would do. You can import that, and then if you want to make corrections from that, you have to draw in the note that you want differently. Yeah, 
Um, and then of course make whatever divisions you want from there. Um, whereas, whereas something like Melodyne or Wavestune or even, even the one, even the editor built into Cubase. Yeah. It's all dragon. Well, it, it all, it, it creates all those note elements anyway to allow you to just cut, drag, readjust, twist, mangle, whatever, Play right? With the vibrato. Exactly. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Reaper, yeah. Look, uh, Reaper's built-in auto-tune is very similar to Antares, and you have to draw the notes. Yeah. It's a, it's a pain. It is a pain. It's the simpler it's, way of doing it, but, or, I mean, for, it's a simpler way of programming it, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, from my experience, using Reaper's draw the notes, it's... It's weird, yeah. especially when you're used to like the Cubase or the Melodyne. It, it it really is, and I mean, I used I used the entire software for I don't know five, well, four years for sure, before I discovered um, how differently Melodyne was, um, and I moved over to to that type of that type of working because it's so much easier. Yeah, so much easier. I enjoy Melodyne. Melodyne's pretty good. But I really, I really enjoy using them both. I find that I find that once you once you get Melodyne or Wavestune or Cubase or whatever sitting in the right spot, yeah. and then put on uh, put on Auto Tune as uh, in in, in auto, automatic mode, mm-hmm. adjust it to be really really gentle. It will actually, it will actually adjust some of the, um, some of the almost artifacts caused by the pitch correction and smooth everything out. So wait, you're yep, yep, putting an auto tune after, after auto-tune? A, an auto tune after, after a Melodyne. So Melodyne first and then auto tune, then auto tune second. And it'll actually it'll actually so smooth things correcting up. twice essentially a little bit yeah and and <clears throat> I'm doing most of the heavy lifting with the Melodyne right yeah and but then Auto Tune afterwards just in and it just, just kind of smooths it all out yeah and you, and Auto Tune actually a smart idea if you want to be super super that, on pitch right that sounds that's a really smart idea. That, it's similar to like gain staging with compressors. Like instead yeah. of make one compressor do all your compressing, use three or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I got that. I got that trick from, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, um, Kevin, Kevin, what's his name? Um, for mixcoach.com. Okay. Um, that's, that's the thing that he does. He slaps on Melodyne, corrects all the notes. So the notes are correct, but doesn't correct, um, he won't use Melodyne to hone in the note even further. He'll slap on Autotune to to do the rest. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And he says, I mean, he works primarily in country music, <coughs> and, and the expectation of singing on tune is so much more demanding there than it is in, say, like an indie band, right? Or or even even just radio rock. Uh, huh. or, or pop music for that matter, because Justin Timberlake doesn't sing in tune. Well, great singer, and they and and they leave him out of tune because he sounds great, but 
Yeah, he's a great singer, but uh, I imagine they still auto-tune the hell out of him. Dude, because I, he probably had like a day to sing the song and they just have to take a take and go. I I don't imagine. I, I, I don't imagine know. with some so, of the stories I've heard, it's like oh, the really? singers are given like a day to sing the song and then they don't hear about it for like another six months and then all of a sudden it's on the radio. I wanna go look I wanna go look that up because I was re listening to Justin sure not second record. Every artist is like that like Justin Timberlake probably has more say over the music but like a lot of those manufactured artists or whatever like uh, sure oh, I've heard stories where it's like you're given a day you sing your parts you get the hell out you get the hell out and we'll, then we'll you don't you know when hear about it until printed. it's like going on the radio essentially yeah see yeah I I could see that I could see that but you're right I, I think I think Justin Timberlake might be might be in a different category because he's Super He's a pretty famous. good musician, yeah, too, and he can write hit songs alongside with Timberland. Yeah. Which I mean, it's I'll, Timberland. <laughs> I'll listen to anything that Timberland does. I won't like most of it, but I'll listen to it. Uh, anyway, so so I, I was I was re-listening to um, to Justin Timberlake's second record, and I can't for the life of me remember names of songs or what the record was called. Um, but it was the second one, two thousand six ish era. Oh, okay. I think I know which one that is. That, and isn't that when he like started to really explode? Uh, yeah. As a solo artist. Yeah, I'm gonna bring it up on my iTunes and I'll find it. But okay. um, there were there were six songs off that record that I I think are phenomenal songs. And sure they're pop, but no, go there. Great radio. I know. Um. Anyway. So I hadn't listened to this song or listened to this. Um, what? What? It's gone. Son of a bitch. Fucking, fucking, fuck. Shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I'll tell the story without it. <coughs> um, hey, oh, am I? I don't even, I can't even tell. It looks like I'm not even recording anymore. Oh, yeah. the red light's on. Yeah, but uh, yeah, look at that. Your mic dropped out. Dropped out. All right. Hey, check. There we go. Holy shit. Well, maybe I will have to go in and figure out uh, what the hell that was. Um, it, it. You know what? It's been long enough since we've had a technical problem. <clears throat> so. Well, at least I'm not fixing it this time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll fix it. <laughs> um, no, but so hadn't listened to this hadn't listened to this record in a long time, and I sat down and listened to it a couple weeks ago, just before New Year's, I think. And I was I was blown away at how sharp he was, consistently throughout. And it's not like it's not like it sounded bad. It actually sounded really good, but he was clearly just a little sharp. That's the one. Yeah. That's the record. That's the record. Yeah. Future sex, love sounds. No, no, That's the that, record. It is a retarded. That is a stupid ridiculous. Name. Yeah, I kind of like it. <laughs> you should listen to it, man. It's. Well, um, I know this record. Okay, there you go. I haven't listened to it. You should listen to it with a producer's perspective. You know, like like sit down and and. You know, and, I haven't listened to it since like pretty much it came out. So I'm gonna download it right now. Nice. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean. The, Half the record is is just crap pop, but 
Um, but the other half of the record is is uh, like this record's good too. If you like to listen to like fifteen minute long, see the twenty twenty experience. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay. some pretty long pop songs in there. Where it's like <laughs> incredibly repetitive, but at the same time, I enjoy it because it's because it's long and weird. And well, I mean, like some of the really long ones, it's they're good pop songs, and I don't mind that they last for mm-hmm. ten minutes. Cool. Okay. It's the the twenty twenty experience. Yeah, I'll look into that. What's one of his more recent ones? Apparently, he just came out with a record. Cool. Okay. Um, should we know. do like suggestion of the week type of thing? No. What? 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 Suggestion People of the week. Suggesting things or no? Should we suggest things? Like, hey, go listen to this. This has really interesting production, or go listen yeah. to this. This is really interesting songwriting or arranging or. This All you're is... going to make me do is devolve into like 1970s prog rock because that's typically <laughs> what I listen to. If not more modern prog rock, all right. <laughs> At least for like the last year, that's what I've been listening to. Right, a lot of prog. Okay, the occasional thing outside of prog. Um, I realize my um my listening experience has not grown much in the last year. Eh. Last year, there's only been a handful of bands that came out with things that I really like, but I've mm. also been fan or a, a pretty big fan of those bands beforehand. Right. So I don't think I've discovered anything this past year that I've been excited for. Mm. Um, the David, the new David Bowie record that came out a year ago now. That was a good um, one. I still haven't, I still haven't listened to the full thing. Really? And I still, uh, I listened to it like, I think the week of his death or something like that. Mm. And, I listened to the the two singles, the two videos. Yeah. That was all I, I heard. Uh, those are probably the best songs on the record. Okay. But it's definitely weird. It's very Dave, uh, David Bowie. I've been, I read a, um, I read a breakdown of, was it like a, one of those New Year's posts? Um, but a breakdown of, of uh, Tom Waits compared to um, Bruce Springsteen. Compared to an, a, another guy, I didn't, I didn't know, but um, about the, the thematic era and personality, songwriting-wise, of the two artists, mm-hmm. I think I might actually start listening to. I've always kind of been a like a distanced Tom Waits fan. My last band was even was even a little bit compared to Tom Waits, which was. Um, an, like humbling, but cool. Um, but I think I'm, I think I'm going to get into more Tom Waits. Uh, and I think I'm going to slowly work through his catalog, but I think I'm also going to get into, uh, I think I'm also going to start listening to Bruce Springsteen. I've been meaning to listen to some of Peter Gabriel's solo stuff. Oh dude, the first four records, his first four records. And he literally, I take that back the first three and the fifth, the fourth was, uh, the fourth. You would probably really love the fourth. That was called Security. Um, weird weirdness. But the first three records, he simply called them Peter Gabriel one, Peter Gabriel two, oh, yeah. Peter Gabriel three. Yeah, uh, they are phenomenal records. Yeah, and That's then of course what I, hear. The, the, I haven't. I've I've listened to them, but I haven't like 
sat down and listened to yeah. them, I guess. They've uh, been, everywhere that where I've listened to them, they've been more or less background noise. And I haven't been, and it, I wasn't focusing on them in any particular way. I think you'll be surprised at how not weird those three records are. That that was the biggest thing for me after his after his weird um, orgasmic explosion that was the early days of Genesis, which are also fantastic. Yeah, um, those th- his first three solo records they're really really not weird. It's like he just changed personalities or something. Lyrically, they're still fantastic, and the songwriting is is great. Um, but uh, they're not nearly as weird. Security, the, his fourth record, that's the one where he gets kind of weird again. Um, but then he rebounds and does So, which was his fifth, mm-hmm. um, which is one of my favorite records of all time. But also Daniel Lenoir produced. Fantastic stuff. Um, uh, Canadian producer. Uh, also the only guy t- that I've ever seen make Bono uncomfortable. Loved it. Really? Oh yeah, dude, you got to look it up. So they're, they, I can't remember if it was the Joshua tree record or the acting baby record. Um, but they did a, they did one of those, like sit down in the studio, listen to the old 24 track. Right. Right. And the two of them sitting at the console, and Daniel Lanois is clearly the alpha. <laughs> and, and Bono is just like, Bono is just kind of like, he can't get comfortable. And he, and he, he gives a couple of sideways glances to Daniel Lanois that like, you can tell he's, you know, like he's not happy about being here or being in the situation. Yeah. It, it was, yeah, it, it's on YouTube somewhere. <coughs> and I, I, um, I should have flagged it cause it was, it was a moment of happiness. I don't know why I dislike Bono so much. Cause He's pretty arrogant. I suppose, but the, the, he does so much good and his arrogance is, his arrogance is largely earned. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I have no reason to dislike him. It's what I find most people dislike him for is just his how arrogance, like how big of, big of a head he has. Yeah. And I mean, He's earned that. He certainly has. Yeah. Yeah. Remember watching a questionnaire where he answered the question of why did you uh, force a download on everybody's phones or something like that? That was interesting to to listen to. He's like, we thought it would have been an awesome idea. It wasn't. We're sorry. (laughs) See, and, and, and that's one thing I love about you too is they have never had a problem saying, Hey, you know what? We made that call and that was a bad call yeah. that, that, you know, we're wrong. We're sorry. They, they did the same thing with the rattle and hum record, which is easily one of my favorite records of theirs. Um, they, they had just discovered, uh, rhythm and blues as they called it. And they wanted to make, they wanted to make a, a Southern States inspired, um, rhythm and blues record and they did and it was it was great but America had already heard that from everybody <laughs> and so it bombed yeah, whatever they yeah. at this point you two should be so loaded that they shouldn't really care if a record 
You doesn't heard, do well. You heard about his Facebook earnings, right? No. So he was one of the early, one of the initial investors in Facebook. And when they went public in 2014, yeah. he made more in that single day than the, his collective earnings from U2 over the course of the previous 30 years. Yeah, so years. why would he care if a record does well or not? Oh, no, he, he didn't. But the, the rattle and hum, that was like, that was like 1989. Okay, I guess back then he, he would have cared more about yeah, absolutely. his record sales. Probably had more record sales back then than he does now, but... Well, that's just the nature of the beast these days. Yeah, yeah. You don't sell records anymore. As, um... What's his name? The guy from, um... Uh, <laughs> why can't I remember? It's a metal band where the singer got arrested because uh, some kid died at his show. What? Yeah, he, uh did a stage dive or something like that. And yeah. the singer like pushed him on to do crowd surfing, but oh. he wasn't caught and oh, he bashed his head first. on the face and, and died. So the singer was in prison for like a month or a couple months. I, I'm not entirely sure how long he was in prison for before uh, his record label paid the bail or whatever happened. Man. I mean, he's, He's not in jail anymore and he's on tour with his band because all the, the court stuff is done that he needed to deal with. Right. Like it, it was deemed an accident and I mean, he spent time in jail. He did what he could for the family. That's cool. Uh, but, but you don't remember who it was? I can't remember the band or his name, Fair but he, he released a book talking about the, the whole experience okay. and one of the things he says in the book is, I'm an over-glorified traveling t-shirt salesman. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. And he goes on to talk about like people come up to me and say how I'm so lucky to be doing what I'm doing. It's like, mm, okay, well, not really. Like I said, I'm an over-glorified traveling t-shirt salesman. Right. I don't make shit for money. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I think more bands need that mindset or more people need that mindset going into the music business. You are there to sell t-shirts and other things. That's how you make your living nowadays. Yeah. I, I think if, I think if musicians just, just accepted the fact that they're, they need to be in business to do this full time. Yeah. Right. I, I think you have that, to sell stuff. Yeah. I had a, I had a fantastic conversation with, Someone, oh, well, one of my, one of my new students, Valerie had a fantastic conversation with her. She's never really been in the music industry, even though she's been like music industry adjacent for a long time, but hasn't been in. And so what do you mean? Hospitality, um, restaurants, that kind of thing. Oh, um, okay. So she's been around musicians, been, but been, she's never yeah. been a real part of the. And, and she has, she has, um, family members or close uh, like close friends with family members that have that have owned recording studios and have been touring musicians and so she's had she's been close enough to see a little bit but certainly doesn't understand like certainly didn't know how the industry works right and we had a great conversation about about first off why Edmonton is a music industry dead zone um and then yeah, yeah I can see that it's a very 
<coughs> close-knit community too that's very hesitant to bring in new people it's very hesitant for change too that too right business um big money forces change on the scene and the scene doesn't tend not to respond but our mayor don iveson and um i can't remember which council member uh has been working for uh, at least a couple of years now on on um on a couple of programs that are designed to help um help the local industry grow um specifically specifically venues and okay. and, and that kind of thing this, that's the thing that's disappearing right now yeah well so in in the summer of 2015 they started a program and this is not recording talk we talked we, we were going to get you know more recording but um in the summer of 2015 he had started a he, they'd started a, a pilot program with one or two bars that um the bar was given a grant to pay the musicians um and they were supposed to run for six months to test out how it worked. Uh, and I, I gotta be honest, I haven't paid attention to it since then, but, um, it was, uh, it was, it sounded like a really great idea mm -hmm. and they wanted to have, they wanted to, they wanted to, the pilot program, they wanted to get up to 10 venues, smaller venues. They didn't want to touch the bigger bar venues yet. Um, but to, to funnel money to them to pay artists so that artists can afford to do what artists do, right? Right. It was a cool idea. That is cool. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and I mean, part of that was trying to funnel money back to, back to what artists spend their money on. And that's recording, that's management, that's, that's um, merchandise and, and sales and trying to learn how to be a business, right? Yeah. Overglorified t-shirt salesman. But you are if you're a musician. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um Radiohead. You remember the band Radiohead? They used yes. to they used to call their um their videos television commercials. It's pretty much what they are, right? Yeah. It's too bad too, because they would make some nifty videos. They pretty much are commercials, though, especially back in the, the like in the music video heyday. Like yeah. all that was was a commercial to make you buy the record. Uh, right, right. But I mean, at least at least some out there, and I imagine they were kind of one of them, or they could have been one of them, um, would make videos as a piece of art, you know, like this is a, this is a short film. It's, it's one of the things I really enjoy about Lady Gaga. Um, God, why is that name so awkward to say? Gaga, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, her, her, her music videos are short films. Well, I everything really... about her is like weird arty. <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> yeah, I just wish I I just wish I enjoyed her music because then the Lady Gaga experience would be her music much more satisfying. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's like pop music for weird people. <laughs> and yet hugely popular, which gives me well, hope for the pop industry. No. 
the one record is popular. Yeah, she still, she still has great sales. Oh, I know she she still has great sales, but she's not selling as much as she was with that one with the poker face on it. Yeah, fair enough. Although she's not working like she used to, apparently, too. Like that record was... That was 10 years ago too, right? Yeah, that was 10 years ago. But also with that record, apparently she let a bunch of producers decide how the record was going to go. Mm-hmm. And then every record after that, she's had a hand or more of a hand in, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And thus, all her records after that one have been pretty weird. Whereas that one's very billboards oriented that's fair that's what I've heard I don't know if any of it's true I guess at the end of the day it doesn't really matter but (laughs) you know if only if only either of us cared to do more research about the things we say but it's fun being wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I suppose Um, I like it when people tell me how I'm wrong and then get kind of upset that I just go oh I'm wrong Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, sucks to be me. <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. You're um, right. So what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I just love how people expect me to defend it and they just want to shove it in my face, but I'm, I'm, I'm way too. You don't, you just don't care enough. No, I don't. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tell me how I'm right. Now I'll now I'll know. Oh, I, I wouldn't even care that much. It's just like what you said is wrong, and this is it. And it's like, oh, is that true? Okay. I'm wrong. Used to be one of my favorite ways of learning shit, like really understanding stuff, was to sit there and argue. Just just have long argumentative conversations with people. Oh, um, I do that anyway. Well, yeah, it's it's fun. I play devil's advocate. People hate me for it. <laughs> Cheers to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, let's see here. I have no idea what time we're at. Uh, we're getting to the last, like, what, 10 minutes? I will change this display into minutes and seconds. Yeah, okay. we got about eight minutes left. Um, you... Oh, goodness... Fuck. Sorry. I still feel like I'm waking up. And I still feel like death. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. I had asked you to come up with a recording-based conversation um, topic. Yeah. I haven't had much time to think about it. And that was five days ago. Whatever. <laughs> I have things to do. <laughs> I sent you that on Wednesday, and was that Wednesday? It was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Uh, nope, it was Friday. Yeah, Friday one. A couple days, man. <laughs> you got nothing though. No, I I know I thought of something. We just can't remember what it was. I'm too hungover to think that hard. <laughs> Makes my head hurt more. <laughs> All right. Uh, no. That's something to do with like managing bands. Managing bands. That's not like 
Recording? Expectations or something. Oh, some managing of that. expectations. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been. I've had. In the last few months, I've had some bands where I've poorly managed their expectations. Like the people who don't want to pay you money? Like those people, yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard from them uh, um, since they got their record back, which I'm Go not figure. sure if it's a good thing. Didn't they want you to do more stuff? Yeah. Yeah. We, did we talk on this about the, talk about this on the podcast here? I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but I remember you telling me that they approached you to do more stuff and you told them that they had to pay you what they owed before you even yeah. thought about doing additional work for them. And, and that's, yeah. And he said he'd get back to me and then decided to pay that same amount to the, um, to the CD manufacturer, uh, Precision Disc to do the so he called me up he says um precision disc is is demanding that i pay six hundred dollars to have them put my wife's picture on the cd okay (laughs) and i'm like well did you did you do all the graphic design did you put yeah, yeah do you have yeah, did, all the stuff, all the art, all the artwork put together and the graphic design put together and, and into their templates and uploaded to them. It's like, no, I just sent them a picture. Okay. Well, well that's why it's costing you 600 bucks. And then he, and then he says have to hire a graphic <clears throat> artist. And then he says, I don't need graphic design. I just need them to put my pic, my wife's picture on the CD. Like, no, no, <laughs> you need graphic design. That's called graphic design too. That's what a graphic designer does. <laughs> And, and and his 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 brain was stuck on the fact that that a graphic designer is someone who designs graphics. No, and, and I mean I know, I know, right? <laughs> anyway, so um, so at this point, this is this is two or three weeks after I'd finished the record. Yep, and I still hadn't sent it to them because he still owed me six hundred and thirty-five dollars. Which is no chump change. No. You know, that's over 10 hours worth of work. Um, well, that's a he had amount a, of money. He had, we had negotiated down to 200. He'd pay me 200 and I'd, and I'd walk away. Right. Right. Wasn't going to do him many favors and the album still hadn't been mastered. Right. But he didn't want to pay for mastering. Of course he expected, not. He expected me to do that for free because that's, nope. that's, you know. And then, <clears throat> yeah, and he still hasn't sent me that $200. Still? Still hasn't. No, even though well, he, he, he swore, the... well, he swore that he'd get it to me before Christmas. And so I released, I released the, the finished mixes and I did, I did a, you know, gentle limiting and, and a little bit of, a little bit of whatever, okay. um, it, to uh to the mixes before I'd up but but I I did send them off to the CD to, to Precision Disc. Right. Um with a DDP, make it nice and easy for everybody. But he still hasn't heard it. So Precision Disc has these. Mm-hmm. Him and his wife haven't heard the mixes. Great. Right. Um 
And then right close to Christmas, he calls me and says, Hey, um, you still haven't sent me MP3s so that we can listen. And I say, yeah, well, uh, you still haven't paid me, uh, but I'll get on that as soon as I can. And of course I still haven't done that. That was, well, that was three weeks ago. Yeah, whatever. Um, but their, their CDs were supposed to be back to them like right before Christmas. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't expect it actually happened because he kept, he kept delaying things and delaying things. And so my whole, my whole takeaway from this is, this is what I'm thinking anyway, with every client that comes in, I now have a very strict questionnaire that I'm going to ask him short thing, but it, at least it's a, it's a thing on paper. Hey, I, you know, I want to ask you these questions just so we all know what's going on. Then I'm going to follow that up. Um, Oasis Manufacturing down in the States, yeah. they put together a really great PDF um, document about how to get, um, about what to expect in the recording process through the, through the um, printing process and how to plan your budget. And now, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to go through the recording process part of that with the clients anyway, but it'll ha- but most of this document focuses on all of the costs that don't in- that all of the costs beyond the recording, right? Anyway, and and so it's it's a fantastic document that that goes into the right kind of detail on a simple level, so that a client like this would understand, right? So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it part of my part of my package to to send out to send out an email with this document. A PDF plus a PDF version of, of the agreed. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. And that way, that way, you know, I'm happy to go through with the client, all of this stuff, but that, that way, at least a client like this would be able to say in advance, Hey, okay, I need to start planning the album artwork months earlier than I expected. Right. Yeah. Because that's the problem he got into is he didn't even he didn't even call he wanted these CDs for Christmas yeah and I and I told him it takes two to three weeks turnaround to have CDs made from the time you send them everything to the time you get it back sometimes longer if it if if there's yeah. any problems and he didn't even call them until Chris until into December wants them back by Christmas he didn't even call them for the first time until early December. And I, and, and it was, it was clearly just out of ignorance, you know, and, and I don't mean ignorance in a bad way. Like he just didn't know. Yeah. He just didn't understand how it worked. Um, and, and he should, because he's in, he's in procurement and project management in his day job. So he should understand all this shit. And he should know that you have to plan ahead. Exactly. Right. And yeah, I don't understand why people get into music and think it's any different than any other job. Well, and, to and, get things done, and and from a consumer level, and that's that's clearly in hindsight after looking at all this stuff. From a consumer level, it was clear that he was just looking at this as I go to the store, I buy the thing I want, I go home. Yeah, you know, no, that's not how it works. Okay, so Sorry. I want to thank Chris at the Gravy Age and everyone else that um, said, "Hey, talk more about recording." Um, we are running out of time, so we'll see you next time talking more recording. Yeah. Follow our hosts on Twitter 
at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.